true that is. If you stop and think, we got so much to thank him for. Thank you so much uh, for the song this evening. Well, if you have your Bible this evening, I'd like to ask you to open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, and I'd like to read some of the opening verses of this chapter, and then I'll ask you, if you will, just to leave your Bibles open and to follow me along here uh, this evening as we look into the Word of God for our message tonight. Matthew chapter number 4, page number 997 if you have an old Schofield Bible. And if you'll leave your Bible open there, I want to pull some truths from these uh, verses tonight that I hope the Lord will use to help us uh, going forward from this point. Now, don't forget our Wednesday night live stream service again at 7. And uh, we want to invite you to be a part of that. And we appreciate all of those who have been visiting with us during these, uh, these weeks of not being able to have church as, as such as being inside of church. We've had a lot of folks that have visited with us from other parts of the country and other states and other churches as well. And uh, so I trust that as things begin to open back up now that God will just bless you at your church. But we sure do appreciate you allowing us to be your church while you were unable to go to your church. And we sure have enjoyed doing that. And thank you for praying for us. If you will continue to pray for us, we would really, really appreciate that much. Matthew chapter 4 tonight, beginning with verse number 1. And if you will, I'd like to read down maybe just through verse number 11. Here's what the Bible said. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Can I stop and let me just go back and read the last verses of Matthew chapter 3 that kind of tie in uh, to this text tonight. Verse 13 of Matthew 3. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And uh, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered, Jesus answered, and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered 
unto him. Now, if you'll leave your Bible open here, I want to go back in just a few moments, and I want to talk about what I've just read here and just kind of relate it all to us and just pray the Lord will help us to understand and then help us to apply these truths to our lives. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you again for the opportunity to be in church tonight, and I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word to now and just speak to our hearts. Thank you for the good singing, music, Lord, that we've heard tonight. Thank you for letting us be together as we are. Though there aren't many here, I trust there are many that are watching online and listening. So please bless us tonight and bless your word, I pray. And then I do want to pray for uh, Brother Jason Ferris and ask you to bless his catheterization tomorrow. And uh, Lord, just please help those doctors to be able to determine if there's a problem there and then fix it accordingly. Bless their efforts, we pray. And then again, uh, all of our people having surgery this week, bless them as well. Help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for the last several Sunday evenings, we've been involved in a series of messages that I've entitled, Meeting, Meeting the King. The four Gospels, along with the book of Acts, comprise what is known in the New Testament as the historical part of our New Testament. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, basically give us the history of the earthly life of our Savior. Now, of course, we know Jesus existed before his earthly life began. Jesus no more began at Bethlehem than he ended at Calvary. He always has been. But basically, everything that we know about the earthly life of our Lord, we find in the four Gospels. Now, there's a lot of other stuff out there that you can read. For instance, I have a book by the famous historian Josephus in my office, and he talks about the life of Christ but all that, when compared to the Word of God, is just pure conjecture. We don't know that to be the truth or not. But we do have the, hist the uh, history of the life of the Son of God contained for us in the four Gospels. Each one of these Gospel writers kind of presents Jesus or unveils Jesus to us in a different way. For instance, Mark talks about Jesus and presents Jesus to us as the servant, the one who came not to be ministered unto, but the one who came to minister and to give give his life a ransom for any for many mark 9:45 luke presents jesus to us as the son of man in luke 19 in verse 10 jesus uh, luke said that jesus the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost john presents jesus to us as the son of god john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the son of god but matthew unveils the lord jesus to us as the king, the one who came to be the king of the world. In Matthew chapter 1, he gives to us the ancestry of the king. It's of vital importance that Jesus is going to claim himself to be the king. It is of vital importance that Jesus be able to show his royal heritage. So we have back in Matthew chapter number 1, we have the ancestry of the king. We see Jesus uh, 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 kin represented, linked to all the kings that that have sat upon the throne of the nation of Israel. In Matthew chapter 2, we have the arrival of the king. All of the events surrounding the birth, the arrival of the king. In Matthew chapter 3, we have the announcer of the king, the one who came before Jesus, the forerunner, the messenger, the one who came to, to herald, to preach that the king has now come. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we have the address of the king, the sermon on the mount. But in Matthew chapter 4, the chapter 
that we're in tonight, we have the adversary of the king. Now, as chapter 3 in the Gospel of Matthew concludes, we find the Lord Jesus has been baptized, and of course, his baptism then commences his earthly ministry. We know that Jesus was 30 years old, according to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3 and verse 30. Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized, and thus began his public ministry. Boy, what a great day it must have been on the banks of the muddy Jordan River that I was preaching about with old Naaman this morning when Jesus was baptized. There's old John. John, he's been preaching that the king is coming and you better get ready. And John began to baptize people unto repentance, preparing people for the coming of the king. And one day as John is down there baptizing, Jesus walks up and boy, something just gets a hold of the heart of old John. And the Bible said that John announced that Jesus was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And then we have the record that Jesus was baptized. Why? an occasion that was because the Bible said that when Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3 verse 16 and he was come up out of the water the word of God said that the spirit of God the heavens opened up and the spirit of God descending like a dove from heaven and lit upon the Lord Jesus. And then if that wasn't enough, I mean just all that had happened, heaven opens up and the Spirit of God comes down and just lights upon Jesus. The Bible said in verse 17 that there was a great voice that interrupted that whole occasion and said, the voice of God, this is my beloved Son in whom... I'm well pleased. Now, i got to tell you something. That had to be a glorious day in the life of our Savior. That would be what we would call one of the red-letter days of his life. But then, according to our text tonight in Matthew chapter number 4, Jesus goes from this great day of ecstasy unto a great hour of agony. You see, according to our text, Jesus has been led into the, uh, the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted by the devil. He has now gone 40 days and 40 nights, and he's been without food. You can just imagine how emaciated, how weakened the Son of God is. By the way, the number 40 in Scripture is the number for testing. And there is the Lord Jesus for 40 days. He has been out there in the wild wilderness with the jackals and the, and the snakes and the scorpions and the, and the coyotes. And there he's been in that lonely place for 40 days he has fasted. And then the Bible said, here comes the devil rolling in, tempting the very Son of God. Now, I, I want to just say, if I may, just quickly, by way of an introduction to this text tonight, we are introduced to some great truths about the Christian life from this text in Matthew chapter number 4. For instance, I could say, number one, from this text we learn that as a child of God, we have an enemy who seeks to harm us. An enemy who would harm us. Now, of course, after Jesus is baptized in our text, the Bible said that none other than Satan himself shows up and begins to tempt the Son of God. Jesus has just been baptized. And I think most of us will understand what I'm about to say, but when you get baptized, it doesn't mean that the devil has been drowned. You know, many times after a great victory in our life comes a time of great testing and great temptation. 
temptation in our life. Buddy, I'll tell you, when you, when you and I experience one of those mountaintops of spiritual victory, don't be at all surprised if just in a little while the devil don't come rolling in trying to defeat you and bring you down. The old saying is this, when God opens the windows of heaven to bless us, the devil will open the gates of hell to blast us. Somebody else said it like this, when the voice of the Father from heaven comes, right after that comes the hiss of the serpent from hell. When the dove descended, Satan ascended and began to attack the very Son of God. You know something, the devil had the audacity if he was so brazen to tempt the very Son of God, you better know, ladies and gentlemen, that he has the audacity to tempt you and to tempt me as well. We have an enemy who seeks to harm us. By the way, before I leave this, can I just say that the devil is not just an influence. The devil is not just a symbol for all that is evil and wrong in this world. The devil is not just a myth like the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. The the devil is a real live person. He is a personal devil who seeks to destroy the people of God. We have an enemy to harm us tonight. But we read it from this text. We understand from this text that this is we not only have an enemy to harm us, but we have an experience to humble us. An experience to humble us. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible said that Jesus was tempted. You know something? Every one of us are going to be tempted at one point or another in our life. And unlike the Lord Jesus, who never lost a battle to temptation, who among us sitting in this building tonight or listening or watching by way of live stream tonight, who among us can say that there hasn't been one point or one time in our life at some point or another that we haven't given in to temptation. There's not a person sitting in this room or listening to me tonight. There's not a mother's child on this earth who has not at one time or another lost the battle to temptation. Thank God for Jesus who was victorious in the time of great temptation. But I must confess tonight, there have been times in my life when I have lost the battle to temptation. You see, we have an enemy to harm us we have an experience to humble us, but thank God we've got an example to help us. Now, the example that I'm talking about in our text tonight is the Lord Jesus. He rolled into this time of temptation, weakened. I mean, buddy, weakened. Forty days and forty nights were not without anything to eat. And then here comes the devil rolling in, and yet Jesus stood the test of the temptation and came out on the other side victorious, and now he becomes our example how to, how to overcome the devil in a time of great temptation in our life as well. Now, I've got to stop and tell you something before I get into this, and that's this. The, the Lord Jesus, when he met the devil in the, in the wilderness and won the battle, won the fight against temptation, he did not do that as God. Now, I've got to clarify that. We know that Jesus, he was God. The Bible said that when Jesus came into this world, he was God. You know, Jesus, when he came into this world, was not 50% man and 50% God. Jesus, when he came into this world, was 100% man, and he was 100% God. But when he faced the devil in the time of this great temptation, he did not face him as, as God. 
He faced him as man. Let me explain the difference. Most of us in here are familiar with the, the old superhero called Superman. You know, we're living in days when there are these heroes. I don't even know who they are anymore. I don't, I, I don't even keep up with it. But no, back in my day, there was Batman, Superman, and uh, who else? That's about it. Waterman, whatever. But uh, man, in our day, we got all kind of superheroes. But one of the main superheroes of my day was Superman. Superman had all these amazing powers. He was able to leap over tall buildings with a single bound. He was, uh, he was faster than a speeding locomotive. He was, uh, he was uh, more powerful than a speeding locomotive. I mean, man, he had x-ray. He, was a, he had amazing abilities. But you understand who Superman was before he was Superman. He was Clark Kent. Clark Kent was a very weak and a very anemic uh, a person. I mean, man, he was bossed around unmercifully by uh, Lois Lane. But he, he, so I guess we could say Superman had two natures. He had the Superman side, but he had the Clark Kent side. Now, I said that to say this, when the Lord Jesus faced the devil in this time of the great temptation, he did not face him as a spiritual superhero. Uh, he faced him as, as, as man. I think when Jesus faced the devil in this time of the great temptation, I think that the Lord Jesus said to the devil, Devil, you know I'm God, and I know I'm God, but I'm not going to face you as God. I'm going to face you as man in order to show all humanity how to once and for all defeat you in the time of temptation. Now, the reason I say that, that he faced him as man, is every one of these things the devil tempted Jesus to do as God, Jesus could have done. I mean, when he said, hey, turn these stones into bread. Can I tell you, Jesus could have turned them stones as God into ribeye steaks, man. I mean, he could have turned them into viney sausages and Doritos. I mean, that's good eating, man. Uh, he couldn't have just turned them into bread. He could have turned them into whatever he wanted to turn them into. But Jesus didn't jump at that. You know why? He's not going to face the devil as God because then the devil would run to you and me and say, you're not God, so you'll never be able to feed me. But Jesus faced the devil as a man in order to set the example to show us as humans, as mankind, how we too can defeat the devil in a time of great temptation. Can I say this? Jesus was tempted in every point like you and I will ever be tempted, but there is one major difference. Whereas we fail, whereas we give in, whereas we cave under the pressure, not one time, not one time did Jesus ever cave to the pressure, not one time did he ever fail, not one time did he ever give in. He never, ever sinned, though he was tempted like you and I are tempted. In fact, here's what the Bible says about that. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but here's what I want you to understand, but was at all points tempted like as we are. Boy, I like these last three words. Yet without sin. That's right. Jesus faced every temptation, was tempted in every point just like you and I, but Jesus never sinned. Now, i got to tell you, there's a big difference. This is more than just a turn of a phrase, but hear me and hear me well. Jesus was not tempted to show that he could have sinned. 
Jesus was tempted to show that he could not sin. Now let me explain the difference. Jesus, when he was tempted, was not tempted by the devil. And by the way, he is in the will of God. He is right, if you'll excuse my country language, right smack dab in the will of God because he's been led into this wilderness by the Spirit of God. He's been led to this point, into this wilderness. He's there in the perfect will of God, and yet he is tempted, but he was not tempted to show that he could have sinned. He was tempted to show that he could not sin. I want to explain that. Years ago, when I was just a child, you know, there was an old Sears, Sears store in Mount Airy where I was brought up at over on, I guess, Old 52 back behind Main Street. There was an old Sears store there. One day we went there. It was about Christmas time. And one day we walked into that old Sears store and there was a man there. And, you know, they had different places set up, you know, the automotive section where you could buy your appliances or whatever. And it wasn't a large building, but it had separate section. And there was one guy in there that was trying to sell uh, dinnerware, you know, plates that you'd eat out of, eat supper, eat dinner out of. He was trying to sell those things, and he was advertising those plates as unbreakable. Now, as a little boy, my mama went over there to see it. And, man, we were standing there. There's a little crowd gathered around, and he said he was talking to the ladies, and he said, these la ladies, these plates are guaranteed not to break. And then just out of the blue, and I still see it in my mind just as vividly today as I saw it back then because I used to break stuff a lot when I was growing up. I'd turn things over, and I was clumsy and still am a lot. But uh, So he, to prove that that plate would not break, he dropped it on that concrete floor. And guess what? The plate did not break. Now, he did not drop that plate on that concrete floor to show that it could break. He dropped that plate on that concrete floor to demonstrate that it would not break. I think about this bridge they just put in right out. In fact, two new bridges, but the one they're getting ready to open up, I, I guess, in the next little while. But before they open that bridge up, they'll do what they call a stress test on that bridge. Uh, they'll put heavy weight upon that, if they've already done it. They'll put heavy weight upon that bridge. And the whole point is not trying to get that bridge to collapse it is proving that that bridge will not collapse. Well, Jesus in our, in our text tonight was tempted by the devil not to show that he could sin, but to show that he could not sin because he was tempted in every point like as we are, yet without sin. But here's the thing. Being tempted as a man allows Jesus now to help us, to aid us, when we are tempted. That's what the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. It says this, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor. Now, we don't use that word a lot in our English language today. I doubt anybody went out here this week and said, Man, I want to succor you a while. But that word simply means this, come to the aid of. Or it means to rush to the side of. So let me read it like this. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to rush to the side of them. He is able to aid them 
that are tempted. He knows how it feels to be tempted. He knows how it feels to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, be, to put the pressure on us. He understands that because he was tempted, and now because he was tempted, he can help us being tempted himself, and yet without sin, he can help us to be victorious in our time of temptation as well. So look at our text tonight. I guess the $10 million question is, how did Jesus meet the devil as a weakened man and yet overcome this great temptation? Well, I got three things I want to say from this text. 620, I'll be done in a minute, but I want to say three things. Three things that we find in this text that enabled Jesus to overcome uh, the devil as king in the time of the temptation. First of all, I want you to go back now. Look in verse number, verse 16 and verse 17 of Matthew chapter 3. Number one, I want you to say this. If we're, I want to say this. If we're going to overcome the devil in the time of temptation, number one, we're going to have to be the sons of God. The sons of God. Now, I want to point you back again to prove a point to what happened when Jesus was baptized. Look at verse 17. There was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now we know, I get it, we know that Jesus was the Son of God. We also know that Jesus was God the Son. The Bible tells us of Jesus that He was God's only begotten Son. That means the only one of its kind. Jesus is uniquely the Son of God. But we also know, we also know that when anyone places their faith in the Son of God, that person becomes a Son of God. Are you following me? When you and I accept the Son of God as our Savior, then we become a son or a daughter of God. Anytime anybody accepts the Son of God, they become a child of God. That's the reason we read these words, John 1 verse 12, but as many as received Him, as many as received Jesus, to them gave He, to them God gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And the first step to conquering temptation, the only way to have victory in a great time of temptation is to be a son of God, to be a child of God. In other words, what I'm trying to say is you and I will never be able to overcome temptation unless we are saved and become a member of the family of God. Now, I want to say this. It's never God's will for us to give in to temptation. Even though I'm now a child in God's family, it is never God's plan, never God's will for me to give in to temptation. It is always God's will for me to stand. It is always God's will to, for me to be victorious. But I'm here to tell you, if I'm going to be victorious, the first thing I've got to do is I've got to be sure that I'm a child of God. I have got to be sure that I am a son of God. Everybody listening to my voice, everybody watching tonight, right now, you're either a, a child of God, a son of God, or you're a slave to Satan. And the only way, the only way you'll ever have victory over temptation is to be born again and to become a child of God. You cannot do it any other way. I'm telling you the reason that so many people constantly cave 
over and over again to sin and, and all kinds of wickedness in their life, many times, I'm telling you, if they're not saved, there's no defense mechanism. There is absolutely nothing that can rise up within them to help them to withstand the onslaught of the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're not already born into God's family, a child of God. But I'm telling you, there's got to be more to it than that. Because if I'm going to overcome temptation, I can't just only be a child of God. I've got to be an obedient child of God. Look again at verse 17. This is my beloved son. Notice, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, if you think back to last Sunday night, I told you that from the time Jesus was two years old to the time he was 30 years old, we got a lot of information for those first two years about him. We got a lot of information from that age of 30 up until the time he died was crucified, buried, rose again to sin. We got a lot of it, but between the ages of 2 and 30, that 28-year period, we know very little about the Lord Jesus. But there's one thing I can say without any hesitation about those 28 years, and that's this. Whatever it was that Jesus did, it pleased the Father. And the reason I say that, if you look at verse 17, God said, I just want to tell you, that's my boy, and I am well pleased with him. Can I say this? If you and I are going to overcome temptation, ladies and gentlemen, we, it's not just enough to be a child of God, though that's the first step. We've got to be an obedient child of God. We cannot be living a disobedient life and expect to overcome temptation in our life. I want to give you a statement. I asked them to put this on the screen. Look up on the screen. Let me give you this statement. Here's a great statement. Here's, here's how it goes. When you and I are... When you and I are to Jesus what Jesus was to the Father, then the Father will be to you and I what he is to Jesus. Oh, brother, that's a mouthful. You see, Jesus was obedient to his Father. Not one time did he ever violate the Father's will or his word and when you and I reach the point, I know, I get it, we'll never be sinless, I understand all that, but I tell you what, when we surrender our will to God's will, when we get as close as we possibly can to God, though I know sin is still going to be present with us, I get all that, but when you and I become to Jesus what Jesus was to the Father, then the Father will become to you and I what he was to Jesus. What a state. I'm here to tell you, if we're going to overcome temptation, number one, we'll do it only as the sons of God. The sons of God. But now, there's a second step. Look again in this text. Not only do we have to be the sons of God, the Son of God, but if we're going to overcome temptation, we're going to have to do it by the Spirit of God. Look again at our text. Look back into verse 16. The Bible said this, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So how do we do this? Well, we've got to be sure, first of all, that we're saved, that we're in the family. Boy, we've got to be sure that once we're in the family that we're living an obedient life. And then number three, boy, if we're going to overcome the devil, overcome the devil in temptation, we're going to have to be filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit of God. You see, the Bible said that when he was baptized, the Spirit of God came down and rested upon the Lord Jesus. There's another verse over in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. We read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. So now we understand this, all right? The Spirit of God came upon Jesus. 
Now we read that the Spirit of God anointed Jesus. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse number 1, we read this, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, brother, that's the key right there. So how do we do this? Well, we got to be sure we're in the family. we got to be living right. Man, we got to have the Holy Spirit. And boy, aren't you glad that since the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit has now not only come to rest upon us, but thank God He's come to indwell us. And when He indwells us and we rely upon His power and not our power, ladies and gentlemen, we can be victorious in our battles, the times of temptations that we face. I want to remind you again, Jesus didn't meet the devil here as God. He met him as as man, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And ladies and gentlemen, the truth of the matter is you and I, we're no match for the devil. I don't know about you, I'm no match for him. I get a little bit amused by these fellas on TVs that's always trying to command the devil to do this or command the devil to do this. Can I tell you something? Bless your heart, I'm no match for the devil and you're no match for the devil either, but there is one who lives on the inside of us. There is one who took up his abode in our heart when we got saved. He moved into our life, and we were, and if we will rely upon him, he will help us to be victorious in the times of temptations in our lives. i got to show you a great verse. I ran upon this verse. I've been reading my Old Testament I want you to look at this verse right here. This is Isaiah 59, verse 19. And here's what it says. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. Now, let's stop. Boy, has the enemy rushed into your life like a flood lately? Buddy, I'm telling you, there are times when it seems like his presence is like a trickle. There is time when his presence seems like a, like a, a shower. But, boy, there's times the devil gets after you. It's like a flood. Amen. But we're told in this verse, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, notice this next phrase, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Buddy, I'm telling you, we don't have to fight these battles by ourselves. I'm telling you, if we try to fight these battles by ourselves, we are going to lose each and every time. But if we will be sure we're in the family, if we will be sure that we're living obedient lives, if we will be filled with the Spirit of God, you and I, just like Jesus, can overcome the devil in a time of great temptation in our life. So we've got to be sons of God. We've got to have the Spirit of God. But then I close with this in Matthew chapter 4. We've got to have the Word of God. The Bible said in this text that every time, every time that Jesus was tempted, he came back at the devil with the Word of God. I read three times, Matthew 4, 4, it is written. I read again in verse number 7, Jesus saith unto him, it is written. I read again in verse number, uh, verse number 10, Jesus said, it is written. Ladies and gentlemen, as a son of God, who is filled with the Spirit of God, who is under the control of the Word of God, we can overcome the devil in the time of, victor- uh, in the time of temptation uh, in our lives. Every time Jesus was tempted, he came back with the Word of God. Can I tell you something about temptation? Temptation can't handle the truth. Temptation is always based on a lie. Here's what temptation says. Temptation says, this is good. Temptation says, this will help you. Temptation says, this will satisfy you. Temptation says, you can get away with it. But it's all a lie. Because the devil is nothing more than a liar. 
but the truth of God's word will bring temptation under control. Truth will tame temptation. The Lord Jesus did not face this time of temptation without the word of God in his mouth and on his mind. Now, if Jesus wouldn't face the devil without the word of God in his mind and out of his mouth, then why do we think we can face temptation like that? We must get the Bible in our minds and then speak it with our mouth. You can't argue. You'll lose every time you try to win an argument with the devil. You can't debate the devil. You'll lose every time. You can't negotiate with the devil. You can't do it. Every time, you'll lose. And Jesus used no magical formula. He had no, no magical words. All he did was take the Word of God, and the Word of God did its work on the devil, and the devil, according to verse number 11, leaveth him. The devil left him alone. Now, I get it. I understand over in the Gospel of Luke, it said for a season. He did come back. I get it. But the way that you and I can be victorious in the time of temptation is by using the Word of God. So we got to get it in our minds. we got to memorize Scripture. we got to speak it with our mouths. And then and then only can we be victorious. Here's where I like to, here's where I like to see this. So here comes the devil rolling in. Jesus is weakened. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's at the point. I mean, you can just imagine 40 days. You know, we had a three-day fast here. Didn't we do that last year? I believe we had that three-day fast. Oh, my goodness. Was y'all weak? Or I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, it was, I was weak after that three-day fast. I mean, it was terrible. Can you imagine going 40 days without anything to eat? And in rose the devil. And he says to the Lord Jesus, if you're the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Stick. And he stuck the devil with the word of God. Well, the devil, is roll, he rolls away. He's battered, but he's determined, and he rolls back in, and he takes Jesus up to the, uh, to a, uh, the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, cast yourself down. Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Stab! And the devil rolls away, battered and bloodied and bruised, but he gathers up all the forces of hell, and he comes back in one final time, and he says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, I'll tell you, if you'll bow down, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou stir, serve. Swish! And the devil rolled away. And Jesus waved to him as he left, and he said, I'll see you at the battle of Armageddon. I'm telling you, we can be victorious in our battles with the devil if we'll use the word of God. Let me close with this verse, and we're done. Great verse. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. You may tell you something that'll put the devil on the run when we praise God and we use the word of God. Brother, I'm telling you something. We can put the devil to flight in our lives. He'll leave you for us. He'll be back. But let's just keep on praising God. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. The Bible said that the, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We've got a weapon to use against the devil in the time of our temptation. We don't have to give in. I've preached for 35 minutes to tell you one sentence. We don't have to give in. Somebody said, why don't you just say that up front? Well, I've had a lot of other stuff I wanted to say. Let's bow our heads for prayer.